This is the Patriots Catch 22 podcast with Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. I'm Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar. Hello, everybody. Nailed it. Joined as always by Alex Barth. That's a bit. That's a match. No risk it, no risk it. 22. Here is Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. Are you focused on this right now, or are you lost in the, in your 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 appearance on? No, day? sorry. I, 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 he's saying that I have a lack of height and a bad back. Half, half of that is true. I the lack of height is definitely true. I didn't know about the back part. <laughs> Everybody that that heard that, Alex said that I was the pot calling the kettle black. Which, yeah, seriously. Which I, I guess is that that's fair. I mean, like I'm not. People that that can't tell from me sitting in this chair, I, you know, I, I'm I'm vertically challenged. I'm not I'm not exactly six feet tall either, but you know, whenever there's a chance to to take a joke at you, I got to take the opportunity. Meanwhile, we ended up getting in the pit anyway. So shout out to uh, David for helping us out. <laughs> oh, oh, at uh, at Springsteen. You're yeah. talking about now. Well, because that was that's what ha- where that conversation came. So up. I, I Bruce Springsteen, also known as the Sports Writers Convention. Yes, which you saw m- multiple. Patriots reporters, Patriots reporters, everybody. other reporters. So it was me and Matt McCarthy from the Hub. Yeah, yeah. Saw Mike Reese. Yeah. Saw. Uh, does Sebastian Vollmer counts as Patriots media? He does now. Uh, Sebastian Vollmer was there. Patriots I saw Deutschland. Sebastian yeah. Vollmer. It was actually him and Marcus Kuhn were there together. Yeah, both. Both um, Deutschland. Who else did I see? Uh, DJ Bean from of NBC Sports that Boston. Surprised me one bit. Uh, yeah, that was his first ever Springsteen show. I don't with, believe that. Were, no, it was. He was there with Tom Giles. Um, we saw some other people. It was a fun night. It's a good night. How many tickets do you think that media take up to a Bruce Springsteen <laughs> concert? Like at least at least seventy five percent are of somebody in media or seventy five percent of sixty thousand whatever people. Easily. The whole media I don't know about in that. Boston was at that concert. Morell's agreeing. I, I think that's really what it was. That's a lot of people to be working in media. <laughs> All right. You're getting everybody's parents the, that were there. The, enough with the pleasantries. Yeah, we got, we got a lot to get the, to the here. pandering here uh, to the Springsteenistas. Is that a thing, Springsteenistas? Springsteen fans. So, <laughs> it, it, it predates the need to have a little kitschy title for everything. <laughs> yeah, Springsteeners. That's better. Uh, so we have a lot to talk about, as Alex just mentioned. We have uh, the 53-man roster. We've seen yes. them out of practice the last couple of days, uh, along with the practice squad. And I'll be honest, you know, you I always come with an opening take. Uh, it's how I like to start off the show. I-, I was ready to come in here. If this show was like yesterday at 10 a.m. before waivers happened and before everybody cleared and magically reappeared at practice on the practice squad, yeah. I was ready to come in here guns blazing about this whole Bailey Zappi situation because my my first immediate reaction was to analyze Zappi's role in all of this right yeah. and how we went from what I, I'm not to take any victory laps if you want to take a victory lap on this you can I you know I try not to not to take any victory laps this show if you listen to this show all last season we we never wavered on this show. No. We were steadfast in the fact that Mac Jones was a better quarterback than Bailey Zappi, number one. And number two, what they were doing with Bailey Zappi was keeping him on the rails, honestly, like in terms of the scheme and what they were yeah, asking it, him to do. Yeah, it was a little smoke and mirrors. Yes, it was. And it wasn't sustainable. It was, you know, Fugazi. It wasn't real. No, it was. It, it was, wasn't real. It was real. It wasn't sustainable. I think that's, you're right. That's a better way of putting it. It was, it was more, we were saying, I, I remember we had this conversation the week Mac came back. 
Yeah. We had a, we did a whole 30 minutes on will they let Mac Jones run the Bailey Zappi offense. Right. That's what it was. Right. So there's there's two things at play here with, with this Bailey Zappi thing. One is, for lack of a better phrase, the downfall of Bailey Zappi to go from a guy that has his name being chanted by the Gillette Stadium faithful to come into the game. I don't uh, I don't think that's fair to Bailey Zappi to call it a downfall. It's a pretty significant it, turn. No, I, but Bailey Zappi... To, go, to ba- go from that Monday night against Chicago where 65,000 people are going Zappi, yeah, okay. no, I, to I, off the roster? I would just rephrase, I, but he's the same guy he's always been. Right? He Fair. didn't... Cha- well, he changed some things this summer, but yeah. it's more the downfall of the people who this, were on the Zappi, Zappi train. Yeah. It's more the downfall of, of them. The, the, the fever has broken. Because I don't think Bailey's at, like, did he have a good summer? What other no. puns can we come up with on this? Did he have a good summer? No. I also yeah. don't think he did. And I, I didn't think he deserved to get cut. Me neither. I didn't. Like, I don't think he did anything monumentally wrong. So I, I, I feel weird calling it his downfall because I think that implies significant fault on his part. And I don't think that that okay. exists here. So there's that conversation, which we can have, which... I think also speaks to some of the things that we have talked about on the show during training camp of why Zappi was struggling in the Bill O'Brien offense. What were some of the issues we were seeing? And the biggest thing, and I I went back and looked this up to make sure I had the numbers correct. His splits last year with play action and without play action – were the guy that he is like his his no non-play action dropbacks he was at 5.8 yards per attempt that's about what i would expect based off of what we've seen this summer his play action yards per attempt last year well you want to guess the number is astronomical do you want to guess it's like the best in the league isn't it yes yeah it's like what 15 16 yards something like that 17 yeah 17 yards per attempt off play action. And, and this is not a Bailey Zappi. Every quarterback's better with play action. That's just true across the league. He was exponentially better, but this is why, again, you go back to it, his play action rate, the percentage of his yeah. pass attempts that came off play action was double Mac Jones. Yeah, it was 26 which, to 16. So uh, Not double. Okay, almost double. Almost 20, 10% on that sample is pretty the, large. The three numbers I remember looking up last year were play action rate, RPO rate, Oh, it was fours. Play action rate, RPO rate, under center rate, yeah. and um, extra blocker. So yeah. sixth, seventh right, blocker. Right. They were all, everything was, was struck. One of those numbers is Zappy doubled up. Might have been RPO rate. Yeah. Doubled up, Mac Jones. But, and it goes back to the point where you, that's why it looks so different. Yeah. Because they were allowing Bailey Zappy to use mechanics that helped the quarterback that Mac Jones didn't get to use as much. And then what you saw this summer was sort of what that looks like on even footing. Correct. When they put them both in the same system, it was it came crystal clear pretty quickly in the summer that as it became clear as soon as you sent that text. As soon as I was ragging on Mac on like day four of pads or whatever that was, it came it became very crystal clear that Zappy was not made to be extremely efficient in a sophisticated no bells and whistles, no play action. Like, let's just roll the ball out and play football. And the guy that got the got the ducks in the row better pre-snap, which I think is a huge, huge part of this Bill O'Brien offense. It's everything. You got to be able to set the protection. So I've let me, let me ask you this. Yeah. Sorry to cut in real quick, but, like, I've said this, and I'm curious your thought on it because I don't know if I've ever said it on the show. Uh, the way the Bill O'Brien offense works, yeah, 
the result of the play is decided before the snap. Once the ball is snapped, it's too late. It, everything that makes it either a good play or a bad play has pretty much happened before the ball is snapped. I, I would say at least like like 65 to 75% of the, the pre-snap stuff yeah. it just decides, that determines the outcome okay, of the so play. Okay, yeah. so yeah. So have, more than half. You have to set the protection, right? That's the biggest thing. Yeah. You know, work with the offensive line. Are, are we three down? Are we four down? Are we, uh, you know, is it an over front? Is it an under front? Like these are the things that they call out pre-snap. And then you have basically two plays most of the time called in the huddle. It's not always a run and a pass. Sometimes it could be run to run. Sometimes it could be pass to pass. But the point is, is that when you read that defensive structure pre-snap, you need to make a check to the better play, whether it's staying in the play that you called or checking to the second play. Once you get to that point, then the ball is snapped. Now you have to read the coverage. You have to remember how the play changes to the coverage, right? The site adjustments and the route options and all that, those types of things, the conversions of the routes. You have to remember all those different types of things. And then you have to make the throw, right? Right. Then you have to actually do the the action of the football part. Well, it's not not just you have to – I would even say there's another step in there. So, yes, you have to understand how the play adjusts once the ball is snapped. You also have to – maybe this is one and the same – understand how the other players are going to adapt right right? because you it it can't be as simple as you all right there's an option route here he's good like it's based on the coverage it's going to be an out route you need to make sure you're reading it the same way your wide receiver reads it because if you read it one way and you're thinking out and he reads it the other way and he's thinking in picks it's gonna get picked off yeah Yeah, that's how that happens so you have all these different elements that go into the the mental part of the game for this bill o'brien offense and I think what became crystal clear is that Zappy really struggled with those elements because he was holding the ball for an eternity, trying to read out the plays and make the right plays and things like that. And his decision-making completely fell off. And the last thing that went was the accuracy. He started spraying the ball. Well, that one, I think he was trying to do that like sidearm stuff. There was and, some of and that. The and extending I think the ti- plays you know, to and... be fair to him, like the timing with the receivers you're working with, like Thyric Pitts and Raleigh yeah. Webb and Scotty Washington. And there's just this cast of characters that are continuously rotating in and out. And then the blocking up front wasn't very good. Like all these things played a role, but, I think the main thing is is that like yes, there were real causes for concern in the Bailey Zappi camp in terms of his fit in the Bill O'Brien offense. He was a much better fit in a rhythm-based offense with locked routes where all he had to do was make a play, right? Whether it's off of play action or even in the spread elements that they used him in last year, it, it was down the field pick a matchup and and throw the ball to the matchup, right? Like it wasn't a whole lot of all of this different type of minutia that we just broke down. So there, there's that angle of it. But I actually don't think that's why he was cut. I don't think that that's why he was cut. I don't think that his play warranted him being released from the roster. Right. I think why he was cut, and this to me is like where – we talk so much about quarterbacks and receivers and passing and like that's the the quarterbacks draw all the headlines for for all the right reasons you know that that's the position that we always talk about the most on any football team not just the patriots but 
the reason why the Patriots had to play gymnastics with the roster was because currently they have six offensive tackles on this roster because yeah. they don't have any tackles besides Trent Brown well, that, that can play. That's part of it. I, I think you could blow it up even a little bigger than that. They have 11 offensive linemen Yeah, because they handcuffed themselves into keeping 11 offensive linemen. Going back to the draft, you draft three guys in the top 150, you're keeping all of those guys. They then went out and acquired two linemen right before cutdowns. Those are guys that yeah. are making the team. You had Riley Reef with the guaranteed money he was given. He was making the team. They probably didn't need to activate Calvin Anderson right away until it was clear they had no other tackles. And right. then, so he you're not going to activate him from NFI and then put him on PUP and put him on IR. That wouldn't make sense. So yeah. they had they they I'm I'm not saying they had to keep 11 guys. Like they they I think they felt like they had to keep 11 guys because they had to keep all their options open. Well, because it, if they it, get no, into some week of it's 1 that, against the Eagles and Calvin Anderson's a turnstile, they have to but have Jay, a plan but, but a guy like Jake Andrews doesn't keep their options open in that regard. But he was a guy who had to keep because it's yeah. just that's asset management. And they were going to they put themselves in a corner where they were going to have to make a decision that was poor asset management. Whether it was cutting one of the guys they drafted this year, whether it was cutting one of the guys they traded for, yeah. whether it was going short at another position, in this case quarterback and maybe even running back, you can look there as well. Because of the like they could have spread out their picks more in the draft. They could have attacked the position quality instead of quantity yes and not ended up with all of these different offenses like there's a number of places it, it could have changed but that that's my whole take on this right but I, I i think it's it's not just tackles it's offensive line as a whole because a guy like jake andrews factors into that yeah um a guy like mafi antonio mafi yeah. fa- but antonio mafi made the team yeah even if they didn't if they were good at tackle like Antonio, and he was a seventh round pick the way he played in camp Antonio Mafi should have made this team. This, Jake Andrews, City So, that's where you look yeah. and you're like, well, those guys are here because of their draft stock. A guy like Tyrone Wheatley, he's here because he was recently traded for. Vidarian Lowe, I like. I liked that yeah. move, hand up, I'll say that. But they had too many guys that were roster locks for reasons other than 2023 talent level, and that's where they kind of got put into a corner. Right, so... This all, I think we're on the same page here, and we're getting to the same destination. We, I just think it's bigger than you're you're making. This it. all comes down to the fact that in the off season, whether when I say off season, I mean March. I don't mean two weeks before the regular season opener. Well, I think it's both. No, I think in March, and then also in April during the draft, they had opportunities to spend premium assets okay. at the tackles position. Correct. The worst position on the 2022 Patriots was right tackle and I don't know if it was particularly close it was an abomination Isaiah Wynn Marcus Cannon Yadney could just Connor McDermott at the end of the season even Connor McDermott playing like replacement level was an upgrade right so that was how Connor McDermott was was the bright spot that's how bad tackle was right tackle specifically was for the Patriots last year and we get this a lot. I got this a lot. I don't know if you did. Well, what could they have done? What could they have done differently? And when I hear that, that and the injury excuse, like the in-camp injury excuse. Yeah. It th- Those two things just blow my mind that we're even using those as c- excuses. There were six free agent starting tackles 
in March. We, we talked a lot about it. The whole Soto thing, remember? Right. Oh, you had Orlando Brown. Yeah. You had Juan Taylor. You had McGlinchey. You had McGarry. Yeah. You had Andre Dillard, who yep. they tried to sign. Who they tried to sign. And got outbid by Tennessee. For not a lot of money. And then Wiley, who was the starting right tackle for the Chiefs last year in the Super Bowl. I forgot he was a free agent. So he, Wiley, is one that I look at, and I'm like, that was not a ton of money. And he started every game for Kansas City last year. He pitched a shutout in the playoffs. Zero sacks allowed in three games in the playoffs, including against Hassan Reddick in the Super Bowl. And that was a guy that wasn't going to cost you a Mike McGlinchey $80 million to bring in. Right. So they had six free agent tackles that were starters. Five of them changed teams. Caleb McGarry was the only guy that went back to his original team out of that group. So you had five movable objects on the offensive line that you could assign. And instead, you you let's call it a, what it is. You cheaped out. And you signed Calvin Anderson and Riley Reef. A 34-year-old Riley Reef, who we knew was over the hill in Chicago last year, didn't even start out of the gate for the Bears, who had a terrible offensive line, by the way. Didn't even yeah. start until like midway through the season when they had injuries. He was essentially their swing tackle last year. Calvin Anderson, who has 12 starts. He was in, their uh, Connor McDermott. Yeah, 12 starts in three years for Calvin Anderson. He was another option that you threw out there. Which, like, signing those guys individually isn't necessarily a mistake. But this is so. This but is it's, where, it's only signing them and not bringing in. Right. 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 So this is where the depth thing becomes, like, this is where the conversation starts, right? Because if you have, like, let's just put a placeholder in there. They, they tried to sign Andre Dillard. So let's go with Andre Dillard for, sure. the, for argument's sake. If you come into the season with Trent Brown and Andre Dillard as your tackles, and then you're telling me that Riley Reef is your swing tackle, fine. Right, or Calvin fine. Anderson. Yeah, that's about that's where those guys should be. That's how you fill out depth, right? Like, that's yeah. how you have an established pecking order. That's how you have two capable starters, then you have your top swing tackle, and then go ahead and draft City So in the fourth round as a developmental tackle because you like the traits. Like, that. that's... That's your four. Like, that's how you, that's how a real team does this, right? Like, that's how you're supposed to do it. Instead, they just threw darts. They just started throwing darts. They signed Reef and Anderson. They draft so. Now they're trading for Tyrone Wheatley and Vidarian Lowe, who I like both of their games for separate reasons. Okay. We can get into that a little bit if we want. But at the same time, I'm sorry, but Tyrone Wheatley and Vidarian Lowe are also dart throws. Neither one of those guys is a sharpied in starter on your offensive line for any team. Yeah. They're also lottery tickets. And all they had to do was in free agency, because look, I, I will give them this. And I, I, I mean this, they did a really good job with their first three picks in the draft. I can't get on them too much for Christian Gonzalez, Keon white and Marty Mapu. They, all three of those guys can play. Was there a better way to use those assets and maybe you still take Gonzalez in the first and you get a tackle on day two? I, I even look maybe. early on day three, Evan, like Dewan Jones has kind of so been a star. That was where I was headed. Dewan Jones. I need, I need some Belichick macro truth serum on Dewan Jones. Why was Dewan Jones off the Patriots so, draft? To board? be fair, it wasn't just them. He was and, off and a lot of teams' boards. But that's why I need to know. So that's I do think there's something there, but whether it was it which by the way I need to take I was telling you about Dewan Jones in like October. Oh yeah, we'll God. get to it. We'll oh get to it. We'll get to it. So oh listen God. to me this time. This JC just... Latham, Alabama. 
This is just like you had to do that. Yeah, I had to. to I had to. Well, well because it's it's week just get one. To your it's point. week one. College football starts on Saturday. I want to give you a reason to watch. My my reason being, there is no reason to watch. No, I'm just kidding. There is I'm reason. Just, whether just, it was uh, Dewan Jones, yeah. whether it was Blake Freeland, whether it was Warren. I think you were a big Warren McClendon yeah, guy at Warren one point, McClendon. right? From yep. from Jordan, yeah, uh, guard and tackle. Jalen Duncan. Yeah, you had these guys that were tackles that were ta- right. So <laughs> that were not guards that you're making a tackle it's the mystery box yeah. well, what could city so be a big people moving right tackle yeah okay so like he could be dewan jones yeah. or and i know dewan jones went a little before him but i think well, he went after rylan no, right andrews so they drafted jake andrews i want to say was. a pick or two before dewan jones hang on i have it sorted went. by position Let so me you sort drafted by when i say you i mean the patriots yeah the patriots drafted a backup center to one of their best players. Yeah, Jake Andrews went 107. Dewan Jones went 111. Chad Ryland went 112. And then City So went 117. So you drafted a backup center to a team captain, a pillar of your right. current team. When you had a young center you like on the roster, and, Cody Rusey. And Cody Rusey. And you drafted that over Dewan Jones, who. Might not start in Cleveland this year just because they have Conklin and and uh, Worfs already. Or not Worfs. So who's their t- uh, the other tackle? I, I can't remember. I, uh, it's coming to me. It's coming. It's on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> Come on, get there. Uh, Jedrick Wills, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, and Worfs, Wills, same thing. Same thing. Same yeah. draft, I think, two, too. Two really good tackles, Conklin and, and yeah. uh, Wills. So those guys are starters. But Dewan Jones is going to be a starter in Cleveland at someday. He'd start here right now. Easily. Day yeah. one starting right tackle. I, I can't figure that one out. So don't don't sit there and tell me that they had no other options. Don't tell me that they had no other options, that there was nothing else that they could do because that's baloney. There was, there was talent available, whether it was in the draft or whether it was in free agency if they just spent a little bit more money on the tackle position, and then we wouldn't be in any of this mess. We wouldn't be worried about the Eagles' defensive front dominating the game in 10 days, and we wouldn't be worried about Bailey Zappi being on waivers because if you had a proven right tackle right now on your roster... Or even just a more high upside or high floor rookie. A guy that I can sit here and say I can start week one. Right. Pencil him in. I'm going to say, because we're saying DeJuan Jones would be the answer. He's not proven, but he's... There's enough there that you I, don't need to go out I and make all these trades. I would have gone the free agency route. I guess that's why I keep saying prove it. Because I, mean, I would have signed somebody. I was Soto. Signed right. one draft one. I right. wanted both. I, I thought you were talking about like Juan Soto for no, a second. No, so, signed <laughs> one draft one. S-O-D-O. I wanted both of them. Okay, so then you have your five starters, right, that you're you're locked in on the roster. You have your top swing tackle. You have your top interior guy. And then you have one or two spots for development yeah, for guys. Eight or nine is generally like the City number. Or yeah. something like that. They are at 11, which is a Belichick era high, by the way. They've never carried 11 guys on the initial roster. And meanwhile, they're at a Belichick low. I don't know if it's Belichick low. I have the numbers for the last 10 years. Last yeah. 10 years, fewest running backs they've carried is three. They did that once. Every other year, it's been four or five. Right. So you have one quarterback, which I yeah. and I get it. People are going to sit here and say, Evan, what difference does it make? They're on the practice squad. They can elevate them on game day. They can sign them to the 53 after they put some guys on IR. Like, who cares? And I get that, but that's not the point. The point is that right tackle is still a major question mark on this team. It was a major question mark last year. It was a major question mark going into the offseason, and they did absolutely nothing to solve the problem. 
And now we are here where Bailey Zappi has to be waived. You have to carry two running backs on the initial 53-man roster. You have to carry two tight ends, which I really don't think they ultimately wanted to do, honestly, because I think they're going to play a lot of 12, and I think they're going to want uh, some depth at that position. Yeah. So you had to do all these things, and all of this could have been avoided if you had just given Andre Dillard $3 million more than what the Tennessee Titans offered him. All of it could have been avoided. And so the story today and yesterday in the shockwave on Tuesday on cutdown day is that the Patriots cut Bailey Zappi. And that sticker shock is legit. But the real crux of this whole thing is that their offensive line is a complete mystery, even to the people running the team. And that's why they made two trades for tackles 10, 20, you know, 14 days before the start of the season. And that's why they're carrying a Belichick or high 11 offensive lineman on the roster. And that's why your backup quarterback was just put on waivers the other day. Yeah. So, but at the lucky. same time, at the same time, and Bill said this, when you put it, because he gets out, oh, why don't you put this player in the practice squad? When you waive a player, you never know. You may think you know, but you never know. Right. They were okay potentially losing Bailey Zappi. Doesn't mean yeah. they wanted to lose him. Doesn't mean they wanted to get rid of him. They clearly didn't. They brought him back. Right. They were okay losing Bailey Zappi. And, and that's why I say that it's not about Bailey Zappi because, uh, quite frankly, no, but, I was okay with them losing but, Bailey but Zappi. But here's the thing. But it is a little bit because the theories about, and maybe these got put to rest Thursday night, Friday night in Nashville, but the theories about Mac being on a super short leash and we could see yeah. Bailey Zappi by the end of September and it might end up being his, if they really felt there was a chance Bailey Zappi was going to start meaningful games for them this year, they would not have been comfortable. They shouldn't have been comfortable potentially losing him and they were comfortable potentially losing him. I guess him. my point when I say that, like I don't care about Bailey Zappi not to be like mean about it, but is that I think that a lot of the You court- think it's a bigger deal why he why they had to waive him than the yes, fact he was waived. and I also think that Bailey Zappi's are a dime a dozen. I think that Colt McCoy, I think that Will Greer, I think Brett freaking Rippin probably could come in here yeah, and back up I, Mac Jones I, just I, as well. I don't know. I that's I look. I we, that's we, what I, I. I think I already gave this spiel on who the had show. A better I've given it on other shows. Who had a better preseason, Will Greer or Bailey Zappi? I, I don't really know how. Yeah. I know Will Greer had a good last game. Will it wasn't Greer okay. Was great. Uh, yeah. I well Nathan Rourke was the guy I was looking for. Sure. Former Nathan uh, Rourke. Nathan. Sure. What's what is Nathan Rourke notable for? I don't know. Ask me Ask me what you're about to ask me. What is the difference between Nathan Rourke and Bailey Zappi? Nathan Rourke has won the Canadian Football League Most um, Outstanding Player. Uh, here's the, what? Yeah, he, he he tore it up for the BC Why Lions last year. Why do you know these year. things? Why do you not know these things? <laughs> because you have a life. The difference, the, the thing in here, people on both sides of the Zappi argument hate me, Evan, because we've talked yeah. about this, right? You either have to think he's the starter who should push Mac Jones, or you have to think yeah. he doesn't belong in the league. I am where I have been on Bailey Zappi since day one. Backup quarterback. He's a good backup quarterback. Yeah. He's probably somewhere between the 30th and 40th best quarterback in the league. If he's your starter, it's not great. There's he's if, In terms of going to an emergency starter, he'd probably be towards the top of that list. Yeah. But he's one of the better backups. And there is value in having a good backup. And being a good backup Absolutely. quarterback does matter. And yep. that is why I would rather they not have cut him and burn the rookie contract on a guy that is a good backup quarterback. So that's where But I'm I, also not under the illusion that he's going to come in here and take over the team. Fair enough. And that's the one thing that I will say that makes it about Bailey Zappi to me is the rookie contract. I hate the idea that they just ripped up his rookie contract yeah. because 
on the one hand, now they're year to year with him, right? That's just the nuts and bolts of it. He's a year to year player. If, whether he stays on the practice squad or he signs back to the 53, unless they give him a, a multi year deal, deal when, when they sign, sign him to the 53, which is possible. But bottom line is, is he's a year to year guy now. And he was anyways, because his money wasn't guaranteed in years three and four. And I get all that, but they had team control on the right. player for year three and four. So now, and let's just play this out. You mentioned him like, you know, spot starting and things like that and being effective. Let's say, and I hope this doesn't happen. We don't wish injuries, so don't come at us about this. But what happens if the exact same scenario happens that happened last year where Matt gets hurt? And I'm not saying that Matt is playing poorly. Like, let's take that element out of it. No, Matt gets hurt. Matt cannot play. Matt gets hurt, and Bailey Zappi comes in for two games keeps the team afloat, yeah. wins them a couple games to keep the train the train on the tracks of the season, Matt comes back, whatever. So you know? basically what happened last year. Exactly what happened last Minus year. Minus the Bears game. Is Bailey Zappi going to get paid in the offseason? Well, because he's a free agent now. So this year he wouldn't because he's going to be an ERFA. If you have less than three years of team control, yeah. you're what's called an exclusive rights free agent. Which he, basically, He's an ERFA now? He would be at the end of the season. He'd only have two years. So he's not an unrestricted free agent. Oh, currently? When, if if his deal expires, right, his practice squad yes. deal expires, they would At have the, to sign him to a so, futures deal, right, in order to have him under contract. Yes. Right. But but if they didn't, he would be an ERFA. Okay. So, so he, I I didn't, wasn't, okay, so, I wasn't so sure if he'd be restricted. As long as he's whatever. on the practice squad, he's a free agent. Yeah. If he's yeah. on the, pre- let's say some team loses their quarterback in week one. Right. They can go and now he doesn't have to sign. Yeah, but they could go off Bailey offer why Bailey Zappi a real contract. Why would he sign? Because uh, if he's going to sign and then get cut when the quarterbacks come, it, there's a number of reasons he might not. But like, sure. I mean, he's a I was free him, agent. I would be looking for the first exit door. Fair. He is a free agent as we sit here today. Yeah, Bailey Zappi, a team could call and offer. They can't offer him practice squad spot. They have to offer him a 53 man roster spot. But they could do that. Yeah, that is true until if and when he signs to the 53. Once he signs the 53, if that's a one-year deal, yeah. at the end of the year, he would become an ERF. So if he if he finishes huh. the year on the 53. So much minutia to all okay. this crap. If he finishes on the practice squad, it would be a futures deal. Right. Which is Otherwise, basic. he's a free agent. Right. Well, yeah. if he, you can't sign a guy to a futures deal from your 53. Right. So he would become a free agent. Yes. He would become what's called an ERFA. Yes. Exclusive rights free agent, which means only the Patriots can negotiate with him for other teams to negotiate with him, the Patriots basically have to give up rights. They essentially they have yeah, to cut I, him without I, cutting him. I get. I didn't realize that, we're, and we're getting so, very bogged down in this. Contract, this is what we do. ERFA. I didn't, I didn't realize that he was going to become an ERFA. ERFA is two years of experience and less. After three years, and this is where he'd essentially be like an undrafted free agent because UDFA right. contracts are three years. Right. Then he becomes an RFA. That's where it gets really interesting. If you get to this point, right? If he's shown some promise. You never see our uh, restricted free agent quarterbacks. You never see yeah. that. If if you drafted a quarterback, if you don't think he's good enough, you've cut him generally at that point. And then it becomes, can you tender him? Would a right. team give up a second-round pick for Bailey Zappi? Probably not. Not that, not that long ago, a team gave up a second-round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. And how'd that go? Oh, They're oh, still paying on. for he's, it. Jimmy Garoppolo is better than him. They're still him. paying for it. Uh, what have they done? What, what, he's better than him. Don't no, do at that. The time, at the time Jimmy Garoppolo was traded, he had started two games. Won them both, played part of a third game. Yeah. 
What what has Bailey Zappi done? You've already thought this out. I know I've given this, this take is, before. This is your your sicko. The hate point, for but the Jimmy point Garoppolo being, so like for whatever reason, they're in unless they. It's not. I just think he's overrated. Unless they sign Jimmy to a multi year deal and they sign him back to the fifty three, he is now year to year. Right. That is the reality of it. So, that's the Bailey Zappi offensive line take off the top of the show. I I just I want to continue to hammer home the point that the biggest issue of all of this is that the Patriots did not do enough to address the tackle position in the off season. And, and now they're overcompensating. Yes. And you have to remember that this was like the injuries thing bugs me too. Like people are, Oh, well, Riley reef got hurt. Like what do you want them to do? This was already going off the rails before Riley reef got hurt. Okay, Riley Reef was yes. already moved inside the guard by the time Riley Reef got hurt. They already had determined that Riley Reef couldn't play tackle anymore, so he's already moved inside to guard. Connor McDermott's MIA. He was also playing poorly going into that injury, so they knew that this. We all knew this was a problem already before anybody got hurt. So that's where the Patriots are at, and now they have the Eagles, who had the second-rated pass rush in football last year in terms of pressure rate the jets have this had the seventh the dolphins were not a, a, in the top 20 but they have a good bookend ed rusher yeah. so i think they're gonna be better this year in the past than they were. well they didn't have bradley chubb for the start right. of the year so and then the number one rated pass rush in football last year the dallas cowboys in your first month and so that's you, just michael Barton. so you have one two and seven and another team that i think is potentially going to be a in the top on the half rise. of the league as well are you holding out any hope that we get out there week one, Riley Reef if he's healthy at right guard, Mike Onwenu at right tackle, or Antonio Mafi and, and Mike Onwenu on the right side there. I'm holding out a little bit of hope, but... He did play a snap of right tackle why, practice the other day. Why, why make all of these... this? Why jump through all these hoops just to be moving Mike Onwenu out to right tackle? Because you're worried about the backups. Because you know that if you lose Trent Brown or Mike Onwenu, about- you're... Right, but if you worry about the backups, like can you keep like two layers of depth? Like why do you have to keep six? Because you know? because they're gonna do essentially what you said. They're gonna figure it out. Like I don't Tyron Wheatley and Vidarian Lowe, I doubt both of those guys are on the team for seventeen games. Yeah. They're essentially gonna have a September's an extension of the preseason. I, so here's the other they're thing. They're gonna have right? a competition and one of those guys will stick. Yeah. Those moves make more sense when you look at it through the lens that they brought those guys in to be backups rather than compete for the starting job. I, I agree, but at the same time, like this is the other my other angle on this is it because I wanted to work down the roster and then we're going to take some calls. I yeah. promise. But running back, they have two running backs on the roster. Ty Montgomery and Kevin Harris are on the practice squad. They traded Pierre Strong, who. Yeah, I didn't like that trade. Maybe they were to cut him anyways. Like maybe that's where that was heading. I know that's always the the adage, right? Of oh, right. they were they just were going to cut him anyways. I didn't like the trade either. I not because I dislike Tyrone Wheatley. I think Tyrone Wheatley has some really uh, exciting traits from an athletic standpoint. I think he's an athletic kid. I think he's got good foot speed. I think he can block in the run game using his positional blocking with the foot speed. I there's things to like about his preseason film. I, absolutely. But I didn't like it for two reasons. One, I really didn't think Kevin Harris or J.J. Taylor were rosterable running backs. So Pierre Strong was the one you didn't guy. Think JJ, I thought he had a really good I second too, half of camp there. I, I think that ultimately, unless you're like Darren Sproles quick and fast at that size, it's just really tough. Have you seen uh, Deuce Vaughn? Do, right, that's a, that, oh, that's a good example. He's going to be so much fun. Unless you're one of those guys that's just different in terms of how they move on the field. At five foot six, it's really hard. 
so I think JJ Taylor is like a uh, is like the football equivalent of a of a four A player. 4A, yeah, you know he's right in the middle. So Pierre Strong to me felt like the one guy that had the talent and the upside, but the really the talent to be a rosterable running back as your third running back. And the other reason why I didn't really like the trade, where's your speed now? Out of the backfield. Now you can talk. It, you it, hope it's Ty Montgomery. Your other speed's on injured reserve right now. Yeah. Right with with Tyquan and who knows what's going to happen with that. And so really you're looking at, in terms of bringing guys that move differently in this offense that have that explosive gear, it's essentially Pop Douglas. And that's it. Like yeah. Kendrick Bourne, I think does a little bit, but I don't know if it's really truly on that elite level. It's, but it's, it's good. You know, Kendrick Bourne's a guy that's got good burst and good energy with the football in his hands. But that's what I was hoping, holding out hope with Pierre Strong it's not that you necessarily need him to carry the ball 20 times and be this bell cow running back, but four or five touches a game on a screen or on an outside run or a toss play or just something to get him out in space. He was the one guy that was dangerous in space with the ball in his hands. And I, I just feel like they lost oh, a little bit in this trade. We have some news. Oh, what's the news? Uh, Ian Rappaport. The Patriots have claimed former Panthers quarterback Matt Corral. So we have a new quarterback. We have a new so quarterback. After the, all of that, we have a new quarterback. So let the plot thicken. Oh, wait. And they, wait. So they claimed him on waivers. What? So that means he's on the 53. So that's yes, your backup. That's your backup quarterback, Matt Corral. So that's the roster spot. Uh, By Taekwondo, yeah. probably. What? I go back. You said that I couldn't call it a downfall of Bailey Zappi. I'm calling it a downfall. You're getting now. Not only I mean, did you get I, Bailey Zappi is better than Matt Corral. You got cut and you got replaced. Like they're giving Matt Corral a 53 man roster spot over you. That's what's happening here. That's shocking. I, I Matt Corral's been a disaster in the NFL. Now, granted, he's been in Carolina, right? In Carolina. Uh, well, no, he he broke his ankle in the preseason game here last year and hasn't played. He but, was a rookie last year. That was it. Yeah, but he he's. I don't know. He hasn't we, been anything in the NFL. He hasn't played in the NFL. Well, he played in the preseason this year. Yeah. Yeah. So that that that's interesting. Well, we'll we'll give some Matt Corral takes here in a second, but let's get to the phones. Uh, John is in Louisiana. John, thanks for hanging on. What's up? John A. Hello. Hello. Hey, there you are. All right. So, uh, Evan, first off, it seems like you are taking that victory lap on that uh, Zappy Fever. <laughs> Can't help it. But, uh, yeah, I already know. So, I got a question about the left tackle situation. So, you said in free agency you would pay. Do you think that would have affected the D.D. Smith contract, the Jabril service, and everybody else in the draw back? Uh, no, I, I, I don't because I think that you can find cap space in a million different ways. You can stagger contracts in a million different ways. So, I – would I have given like an Orlando Brown, Mike McGlinchey contract to a tackle and been able to afford all the rest of it? Like maybe not. Uh, but I think that there was options out there like a Diller, like a Wiley, like those players at that level that would have been better than what you got and would have been able to spread the money around just the same. So in, as far as the draft, who would you have replaced if you would have drafted somebody? I know you say you like the first few picks, but like, I'm I'm kind of confused. Who would you have rather not pick rather than pick someone at the uh, tackle spot? Uh, Dewan Jones from Ohio State. I would have taken Blake Freeland from BYU. 
I would have taken Jalen Duncan, the Maryland guy. Replace who we drafted. Who any we of the day three drafted. picks, literally any of them, <laughs> except Pop Douglas. Oh yeah, of course. Except Pop Douglas, sure. Take the receivers. Or the early day three, the late day three picks. You're telling me that this team needs Jake Andrews for what? <laughs> for I'm like, I'm not trying to pick on Jake Andrews. I'm just if David Andrews gets hurt, then you're in trouble anyways, right? Regardless of who his backup is. But is Jake Andrews at this stage of his career significantly better than Rusi or James Ferentz? I don't think so. Not based off of what we've seen over the summer. I would also say that I like Moffey. I, I think Moffey's going to be a starting caliber guard. The way that they play football here, he'll be he'll be a starting caliber guy next year. But you had a more immediate need at tackle. So that that those are the picks that I would replace. I mean, I think that's that's the obvious way to go. Okay, appreciate you guys. Thanks, John. Thanks for the call. All right, Patty is in Aguan. What's up, Patty? What's up, guys? I got something for each of you. Uh, first off, little college football minute, or actually half minute. I'll make it quick, Evan. <laughs> Alex. Yeah. You're going to watch. I know you're watching college football this weekend. Of course. Pay attention. Boston College wide receiver Joe Griffin Jr. From my hometown, from my alma mater, Springfield Central High School, the home of champions, this kid's going to be a stud. He's not coming out this, this coming year, but he's eligible in 2025. He's like the perfect, the prototype guy that's going to replace Devontae Parker. Hopefully. I'd love to see it. All right. So, Evan, um, the one thing I'll disagree with you with was I was hoping that they would, like you, I know you said you wanted them to address tackle and, and free agency. I'm, I'm with you with those guys, with Dewan Jones, and I was big on Blake Freeland. I mean, I wanted them to get young guys and develop them into the, into the system. And, I, I mean, both your tackles, are going to be gone next year unless they extend Brown, but that's kind of a crapshoot because you never know what you're going to get with them, you know? So I'm just, I'm, I feel the frustration. I'm right there with you. Hopefully, I do have faith that Billy O'Brien and Clem are going to piece this together. Um, I'm not going to take too much out of week one. I never do anyway, but I mean, as long as Max comes out of the game healthy, I'm good. And that's all I care about. That's all I got, guys. Fair enough, Patty. Thanks for the call. Look, I, I don't want to. I know I'm sounding like alarmist when it comes to the the offensive line yeah, situation. I I think it's workable. I just think that a lot of the things that have happened this summer and that it happened on cutdown day, I feel like a lot of these things happened because they put themselves in this own in in a hole. Like they they created a hole and now they're trying to get themselves out of it and now we have all this cat, you know, uh, roster gymnastics and jockeying and all this different stuff going on. And I feel like a lot of this was so avoidable if they had just addressed it with a real answer, like instead of throwing blind darts at the board and saying, well, hopefully one of these guys is, is serviceable. They could have just went out and made a, a real move and solved the problem. And that's where we're at. I'm gonna take this last call, and then Alex, you gotta give your your Matt Corral take. We've talked about Matt Corral a little bit off the air. I'm but... learning about Matt Corral right now. Do you know he once tried to fight Wayne Gretzky's son? Why is that relevant? Why is it not? <laughs> All right, let's take Tony in Canada. What's up, Tony? Hey, hi guys. Uh, I have a comment and then a question. I guess the comment and is regarding regarding the Patriots. Is I think that. This year, my prediction is they'll be struggling to make fourth place. They'll be out of the playoffs. And I think this year, at best, they'll do as well as they did last year or lose a few other games. And uh, the question is, 
regarding Bill Belichick. And I know, like, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, things didn't work out with the tight end, or not tight end, sorry, the, the offensive tackle position, but uh, Belichick really hasn't spent a lot of money this year. So in your opinion, like, what is the uh, – what is Belichick trying to do? Like, he's obviously not signing – players he didn't go crazy this year like he did a few years back what's the plan like what is he planning to do what what do you speculate on is he planning on maybe possibly extending a lot of the other players or what's the reason i guess what do you think is the reason for for the way he's he's been uh, managing the team this so far this year thanks for the call tony i honestly and I don't know how you feel about this, Alex. So I'll just speak for myself. Meanwhile, second week in a row, apparently they're trying to get my attention on the sports hub right now because Felger doesn't know how waiver claims work. Oh my god, uh, I don't think Belichick's managing the roster any differently than he always has. Like that's that's the thing that I I think that maybe doesn't get talked about enough or gets missed or something like that. Like th- other than the free agency spending spree in 2021, this is how they've always done it. Like they have built yeah. a their whole thing is conservative spending, solid middle class, build from within, draft and develop. Like th- that's that's their whole thing. Like the 2021 free agency class was the outlier. That's not the norm. Now sometimes they do go out and make like one splash. You know, a Stephon Gilmore, a Darrell Revis. Uh, obviously didn't work out, but like a Dalius Thomas, right? Like they they've done that in in a vacuum. But going out and spending a ton of money in free agency like they did a couple years ago, that was the one time they did it. And other than that, they've never done it again or done it in the past. So their methodical approach is exactly how they've always done it. And I, I there's obviously some legitimate reasons for it. Like there's some real sound reasoning for it. I think the biggest being that the real – the real sweet spot is by drafting players and being good in the draft and then developing from within. That's how they built the the teams in the early 2000s for the most part. Like that's how you you build your roster for sustainability in the NFL, but you know, to the caller, like if you're expecting them to go out and spend a ton of money on free agents, like you got the wrong team. Like that's not going to be who they are, at least not as long as Belichick is here if that's truly the the trigger man of all of this. Like I, that's never how, how they've operated. That's never how they are. All right, uh, let's let's get your Macarell take, Alex, because you, you obviously remember him from Ole Miss a whole lot more than I do. So Macarell was a really interesting quarterback going into the draft last year because his career has been a roller coaster. Uh, came came out of uh, Southern California in high school, was a five star recruit, U.S. Army All American, all of that stuff. Like this is a guy who's USC, UF. Um, I don't remember if Alabama was interested in him. Um, ends up going to Ole Miss, where they had another top-ranked recruit in Jordan Ta'amu, who people might remember. I think he was here on the practice squad for like a week once. But yeah. really roller coaster his first few years in college. Struggled to get playing time as a freshman. Uh, as a redshirt freshman, started to play a little more, but was really a run-first quarterback. His junior year, there were his. So Lane Kiffin comes his junior year in 2020, and there's flashes, but he turned the ball over a ton. And then in 2021, he started to put it together. 3,300 yards, 20 touchdowns, five interceptions, ran for another 614 yards, 11 touchdowns. He was a Lane Kiffin, like what Lane Kiffin wants his quarterback to be, Matt Corral. And then that was sort of a down year for quarterbacks, and people start talking about it. Is Matt Corral a first-round pick? And it was kind of trending that way. 
and then he hurt his ankle in the bowl game. A lot of people were like, he's not, it was kind of consensus. He wasn't going to play in the bowl game. This is a guy who's going to be a first round pick at quarterback, played in the bowl game, which people are like, this is great. Look at that leadership. Like, he's definitely going to be a first round pick now. Look at that leadership. No, but that's a thing. You know what I, I mean? Like, I, when those I, guys, I, I'm right? I'm laughing at you. I'm laughing it, at the fact that people, like, believe that. The, yeah, I think teams look at that. Oh, you're willing to play in the bowl game, even though you're a first round pick. You can't, you love football. You care about your team, your teammates. Oh my God. All right, keep um, going. Hurt his ankle and it then struggled during the pre draft process. Goes to Carolina last year. The Panthers actually traded up with the Patriots to get him. Yeah. The Patriots used those picks later on Bailey Zappi and Marte Mafu. So that's, that's a, irony, right? That's there. a good trade. That's a very good trade. Um, and then I remember he was, so they saw him in joint practices, and we know this. The Patriots yeah. like the guys that they see in joint practices. I didn't think he was very good here last year that week. And then early on in that preseason game, he suffered a, I said ankle injury earlier. I was wrong. It was a Liz Frank injury. That's his foot. Foot. Yep. And missed the whole season. So this summer, I think he was kind of hit and miss. He was never going to start, right? They have Bryce Young, and he was always going to be the guy. But really athletic. He's not. He's a different kind of quarterback than what they've had. Uh, he's, I'm trying to find his, his height weight. I know he's on the smaller he's side. 6'1", 205. 6'1", 205. He's on the smaller side. Moves around a lot. Yeah. Makes plays out of structure. Definitely a threat with his legs. He can be a read option guy. But the accuracy is an issue. He does have a bit of a quick trigger. He doesn't handle pressure super well. So, kind of an anti-Mac Jones. I don't think the things he's good at are he's as good at as the like Mac Jones' best traits. Yeah. But he's a he's a different kind of passer, and it's going to be interesting to see what the plan is for him. So I what I remember of him is is mainly you telling me to watch Alabama Ole Miss a couple years ago yeah. when it looked like Ole Miss was actually going to be able to, to go toe-to-toe with Alabama. So that that year, that was that 2021 year where he had a year in Kiffin's offense. Yeah, and he was like a Heisman. He, he was a Heisman candidate. Guy. Yeah, no, he yeah. was a Heisman candidate. I'm trying to remember who. They had a really good receiver on that team too. I'm trying to remember who it was. So the thing about Ole Miss's offense that's, that's important to mention is that they are they – are a modern, modern, modern scheme under Lane Kiffin. Uh, they're an air raid team. Is John- Jonathan Mingo is the receiver? Yeah, uh, they do a bunch of crazy stuff offensively. Like we're talking about motions, options. Like our when I say it's options, as new agey as you get. Read option. They like never punt. Right. Like they're just like this aggressive pedal to the metal spread. Everything that you hear about, like, you know, where is football going and like new agey football, like Ole Miss does all of it. So in some respects, it was a little bit difficult when I I did like do a little bit of an eval on some of those quarterbacks, just thinking that maybe they would draft one. It it was difficult to project how Matt Corral was going to play in an NFL system because Ole Miss is just very, very unique and weird. So that was a big part of it. But the one thing that I I will say about Matt Corral, and let me be clear that this is 110% competition for Bailey Zappi, not competition for Mac Jones. But with Matt Corral, I think, and you, you know, agree with me or not, Alex, I think that Matt Corral has more tools at his disposal than a guy like Bailey Zappi. Like, I think he's a little bit bigger I think he's got a bigger arm. I think he's a little bit more mobile. Not necessarily like a little bit like I think Bailey Zappi's got decent elusiveness in the pocket and like he's he's pretty light on his feet in the pocket, but Corral can run, you know, with the football, like in, in designed run fashion. 
So what this looks like to me is that they have these two quarterbacks and Mac and Zappy. And we talked about this. And I think this is why a lot of people latched to Malik Cunningham was because they don't really have like the toolsy developmental upside guy, right? Like they don't have that guy. Right. And I don't know if Matt Corral is ever going to be anything more than, than a journeyman backup. I, I don't think so. Uh, but he does have a little bit more of that athleticism gene that everybody's clamoring for all, you know, the teams that don't have a Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Mahomes type of player. That's what everybody wants. That's not Matt Corral. Matt Corral is a, I think a designed runner more than he is like a scrambler and a, or a out of structure playmaker, but he's got some mobility and he's got a bigger arm than Zappy. And he's got some of those tools that everybody's clamoring for. So in a lot of ways, I think it's interesting because I expected them to be looking for a more stable experienced veteran option, like a Colt McCoy type of option where you kind of know what you're going to get. Matt Corral is another is a ball of clay. Like Matt Corral is a developmental player. Uh, he is, I I think, and again, you know, feel free to disagree with me. If they had to thrust somebody into a to a game, yeah, I think it's Bailey Zappi. I still don't think that you would put Matt Corral in a game. And I get you know picking yeah. out the fact that like he has to learn the system and like all, get integrated and all that kind of stuff. I just mean in general, I don't really look at Matt Corral as like a stable steady like Brian Hoyer backup so Matt Corral is remember when we were going into the draft and every there was that take that a lot of people had that was like oh look at what the Eagles did with Jalen Hurts they had Carson Wentz but they still took Jalen Hurts in the second round as like a project right and I met we got blue in the face telling people that guy does not exist in this draft that might be Matt Corral Matt Corral might be the this guy's got a ton of tools. Let's right. see what we can turn him into, guy. Yeah, but he's not as good as Jalen. Hurts. He's not as good as Jalen Hurts. No, he, but he I'm, wasn't like he wasn't as good as Jalen Hurts in college, and he's not as good now. Like I'm not. Eh, no, he wasn't as good as Jalen Hurts. He wasn't as good as Oklahoma Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts at Alabama was like limited as a passer. People that's forget true. what Lincoln Riley did for Jalen Hurts. <laughs> well, he does with everybody. So that's true. I I, I just. It's interesting to me that this is the path that they took because I think a lot of the reporting out there, I'm not like bashing on the reports or anything, but a lot of the reporting out there and and my indication would be, let's go after a Colt McCoy. Let's go after like a career backup. That's like a steady presence that can come in and, you know, somebody that's like a little bit better than Trace McSorley, right? Like basically that kind of guy, that is not this guy. Matt Corral is an athlete. Matt Corral is a developmental prospect and uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what, what, becomes of him you know I, I don't think that you're thinking much of it right now the other thing that I would say about this that I, f- I find a little bit interesting now it costs nothing to claim a guy on waivers and then you got to pay him right, right. so they they now it's funny for all the stuff we were talking about the rookie contract they now have a quarterback they now have a contract on quarterback under rookie contract from the same draft as, let, as let Bailey Zappi for the purposes of facilitation because that's what yes. I do here sometimes why not Trey Lance like, why, if you, you didn't were have g- to give up a draft pick, but if you were going to do this, you didn't have to give up a draft pick, he, but Trey Lance is just, but you didn't better. have to give up a draft pick. Uh, I, Trey Lance is just better. Matt Corral. I also wonder if they thought Trey Lance was, you, you wonder, I, I, nothing in, in Matt Corral. Like, yeah, he hurt his foot last year. Yeah. I don't think you look at him and you say, here's a guy whose growth has been hindered. 
I think in Trey Lance, you look at him as a guy, and, you, and you know, did the Niners ruin him? Basically, is he past the point I also of no think, return? So the reason why I brought this up is because my real theory on it is that I think that they looked at Trey Lance and they said that guy could be looked at as real competition for Mac Jones. And I do think that there is something to be said. I'm not totally in on the conspiracy that Bailey Zappi was cut as a message to Mac Jones. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that, but I definitely think that they want to make sure that there is no question. There is no question who the starting quarterback of the team is. And if you bring in a guy like Trey Lance, it's going to be, it's, he's going to be there. I, I honestly, my thought was, is this maybe Lane Kiffin? And we know he's like indirectly in the Belichick yeah. tree with Saban. Yeah. I wonder I mean, who if, knows what his relationship is, is with Bill O'Brien too. It might they might have a relationship as well. Well, it, they I would think they wouldn't. The other thing yeah. about it is Corral. I I don't know how much carryover there'd be here, but remember, Bill O'Brien didn't run his offense at Alabama. Yeah, this was all, when he was brought in. Mac Jones taught him the Lane well, Kiffin or the Steve Sarkeesian, but it. So he he ran a lot of his offense at Alabama, yeah. but then there was a lot of Alabama staples I, but, as well. But those Alabama staples came from Lane Kiffin. I'm saying, yeah, yeah So yeah. I don't think Matt. I don't think the Patriots playbook, even though it's kind of three or four degrees removed. Oh yeah, I, mean, I like don't the, think the, the Patriots the, playbook is going to be totally foreign to no, Matt the, the, or like the the RPO stuff, the empty yeah. stuff, like all that stuff. I'm sure is present. But I would even say, I, I bet even some of the terminology there's going to yeah. be carryover from what he was doing at Alabama, or from what uh, yeah. Corral was doing at Ole Miss sure. with Alabama's former offensive coordinator. Yeah, absolutely. So very interesting stuff, Matt Corral. Uh, on the 53-man roster, claimed by the Patriots. So on the 53-man lo- roster now, Bailey Zappi still on the practice squad. Malik Cunningham still on the practice squad. Last thing on Matt Corral, because we kind of broke down Matt Corral enough. I want to get to some of the other things about uh, the initial roster. I want to go back to the what I just mentioned briefly. Week one, Philadelphia comes to town. Who's the backup quarterback? Is it Matt Corral? Or is Matt it Corral. Bailey? He's on the roster. Or is it Bailey Zappi? I think because you're not going to activate or you're not going to elevate Bailey Zappi. Why not? And then use the third quarterback. Oh no! You no, can't no, use the you third just scratch role. Matt Corral. You just would be an. Then why is Matt? Why is Matt Corral here? Develop to develop him. Clearly, I guess. Eh, maybe. I think it's Zappi. I think they have too many other guys they need to elevate. They're going to need to elevate a running back. They're probably going to need to elevate a tight end. Maybe they don't elevate the tight end. Mm, I'd like to see him maybe I just I think it's too I, I think you can rule out we we thought it was kind of a lock that Bailey Zappi was going to end up back on the 53 at some point yeah I think that's out the window yeah I I'm I'm honestly this whole thing is really surprising to me how I know you don't want me to call it a downfall but I'm calling it a downfall I just think it's unfair I'm to so, him I'm so surprised that we've come this far though with it I really am like to I, Take, like, like I said earlier, here's what you need to do. but to go, Alex, to go from what we saw on that Monday night to, against Chicago, but the fans here chanting is, is a real. I, take the I, media fan saying, thing out of it. If I'm you're looking saying. at it in the room, like here's a guy that played really well in two yeah. games against two of the worst defenses in the league, and then struggled against the worst defense in the league, and, and then had a bad summer. Take the whole Zappy Fever thing out of it. Yeah, there it was not that. Hot of a take to say you were worried about their backup quarterback situation. I don't know how much Matt Corral fixes it. Doesn't. To me, Matt Corral is a ball of clay. I think I think Bailey Zappi right now is a better quarterback than Matt Corral. Me too. That's what I'm saying. So wh- I, I had him I had him ahead of Matt Corral in that draft. So why I loved wouldn't that Bailey Zappi be the backup in a week? That's my point. 
on top of the fact that you have to get well, I think, integrated. It, you, all right, you might be right. Yeah, you might be right. Like I just think Bailey Zappi is the floor, right? Like Bailey Zappi is a floor backup. Yeah. Matt Corral is a, is a guy that has a little bit of a ceiling. Totally different player than Bailey Zappi. Uh, Jonathan uh, emailed in and uh, wanted to weigh in on the Zappi thing, and uh, you know he he lays out a, a a compelling argument here about how much Zappi has regressed and and how you know we really should be you know talking about that more i think without any tools to give guys a guy upside you want a certain floor to be happy with that spot meaning the backup quarterback last year he gave that gave you that this year while the line play was a problem he also took uh, looks like he broke his mechanics and he misses easy throws without pressure way too often if you have both a low floor and a low ceiling you have an issue we've obviously seen you can do worse watching trace mcsorley shots fired uh, but zappy's regression should hugely change their view on him so this is what i wanted to to address should do you is your view on bailey zappy hugely different than it was a year ago um no that's all that i i said i said it for a second he's a good backup quarterback yeah he's not a starter he does belong in the league he is a good backup quarterback matt corral may or may not be an NFL he may be a starting NFL quarterback he may be an XFL starting yeah. quarterback like I don't well, you know like yet that. you'll watch him in the XFL yeah but I'm saying like <laughs> I, I have zero idea what Matt Corral is as yeah. an NFL pass I didn't think he was great in joint practice last year yeah it was two days I'm not gonna give my whole opinion based off that yeah I didn't love him coming out of college I thought all right this is a guy that's really athletic I don't know what else he does we'll see how they coach him up he's a lottery ticket yeah, that's how I feel. I, my opinion on Bailey Zappi has not changed at all because of a couple things. One, I, I think we're both in agreement that we kind of thought this is who Bailey Zappi was all along, and he was propped up in the situation that he was in last year. Get, as much as we destroy Matt Patricia on this show, and we, we enjoy doing it based off of what he put us through last year, you got to give him a little bit of credit. Like, he made Bailey Zappi look, look pretty good for two games, right? Like, give him a little bit of credit for that, I guess. There's one thing that we can give him credit for. But my feeling on Zappy hasn't changed. I think that this is who he always has been. But I also think at the same time that if you put him with the starters, right, starting offensive line, starting receivers, and then you water down Bill O'Brien's offense to make it similar to what he ran last year, if you had to start him in a game, like the scenario we laid out earlier where the exact same thing happens as last year, I think that they could put a game plan in – for Bailey Zappi to be okay, just like he was last year. So that's why my opinion hasn't changed on him. I think he showed us this summer what we already knew to an extent, but he proved to us this summer that he is not a starting quarterback that's capable of opening up the birth of your playbook, right? Like he's not going to come in here and run all these different things and change all these different things at the line of scrimmage and make all these checks and these audibles and all. That's not going to be Bailey Zappi's game. But if you absolutely, if you had to start Bailey Zappi in a game, and you go back to some of the stuff they did as a with him as a rookie, and you water it down, and you narrow it down to the things that he's good at. I think that he would still be serviceable as a backup. So I guess my opinion hasn't changed that much. I do agree with the email that his mechanics and like all the sidearm stuff, sidearm stuff, I think messed with it a lot. He missed a lot more short throws in the quick game than I remember him m- missing as a rookie. You know, slants, you know, th- that type of stuff. A lot more this this summer than I remember him last year. But again, I I don't think my opinion on him has drastically changed because I still think you could make him a competent spot starting backup if you absolutely had to. 
and I I still feel that way. Yeah. And I think Matt Corral Corral is a totally different animal. I think that that's a that's a ball of clay that you're hoping can develop long term into something. Yeah. All right. Let's take this uh, call from Eddie in California. Eddie, what's up? Hey, what's going on, guys? Hope you guys are doing good today. Um, I kind of like the route that the Patriots are taking in these three development quarterbacks, Cunningham, Zappi, and now Corral. And I think I do prefer that over veterans like uh, Colt McCoy because I feel like if we get a veteran like Colt McCoy, it won't won't light up the offense. And I get that these developments won't light him up as well, but I think it'll just be more fun to watch and – I feel like we, we know that we probably don't have a playoff push, and so taking a veteran quarterback probably is just like – I just feel it won't make the games enjoyable. What uh, do you guys think about that? Okay, Eddie. Yeah, I understand your point. You know, there's a little bit of uh, – and thanks for the call. There's a little bit of the unknown, right? There's a little bit of yeah. the upside and, like, maybe with Corral too, a little bit of mobility. Like, just like Malik Cunningham goes out there for one drive in a preseason game against Houston in the fourth quarter against a bunch of guys that just got cut – and everybody goes crazy because he can run around, right? Like, so I guess there's right. there's sort of that element that makes it more exciting. I've got a couple calls, and I I was really planning on doing this this last week or next week, excuse me. But just quickly, am I a homer and am I a good team employee, Alex? If I say that I disagree with these people that are calling in that say the Patriots have no playoff chances, they have playoff chance. I I mean, they should contend for that that final wild card spot. Yeah, I. I don't agree. I don't think it's a guarantee. I don't think it's a lock, but like they're not going to be out of it before December. I don't Right, I agree with you. Right. I don't agree with the calls that say we don't really have a chance to make the playoffs this year. I don't just dis- I don't agree. La- last year this team was 8 and 9, and granted we've talked about this. It was kind of a fake playoff race for them to- down the stretch last year. They weren't really in it. They needed a right. lot of help, and they needed to beat Buffalo and and you know have other teams completely fall apart. So I get it. they weren't really in it, but they were technically one win shy of the playoffs. Like if they had gone nine and eight instead of eight and nine, they would have had tiebreakers to keep them out of the playoffs. So I think that they have playoff hopes. Do they have hopes to win a playoff game? Probably not, but do I think that they could make the playoffs? Yeah, why not? Like I, I think sure. you take an eight and nine team last year, you give them a real offensive coordinator, you upgrade in a couple different spots. I think I don't think it's that crazy. Let's get to some of the other things about the roster before we we wrap it up here. Uh, I don't think either one of us was surprised about two tight ends. Nope. I think that I I talked myself into three at, at a couple points, but I don't think it was totally shocking to see them only roll with two. I am interested to see how they block it, right? Like, is yeah. Hunter Henry going to be a better blocker this year than he was last year? Maybe, like, with the coaching and the scheme and the angles and all that stuff improved, like, maybe he can be. Gasicki, I still view as a receiver. I, I don't think he's going to block very much for you. Uh, do they use, like, a guy like Tyrone Wheatley played ta- uh, tight end in college? Like, do they use him as, like, a sixth offensive line? I think you're going to see a lot of sixth offensive line, especially early on. We talked about the pass rushes. I think you see some of that. I think that's possible as well. So, uh, no, not a huge shock there. Uh, the running back situation, we've, we've talked about it a little bit. This one did surprise me because, yes, I know, again, similar to the Zappy thing, yes, they have their running backs on the practice squad. Ty Montgomery and Kevin Harris are on the practice squad. Remember when Belichick – there's two two years that I feel like Belichick burned Belichick so bad when it came to running back depth that I never thought we would go back there again. 
it was the Steven Jackson year. What was that? 2015? I think it was 15. Yeah. Where they had to play uh, uh, Steven Jackson's corpse in like the last two games of the season because they didn't have any other running backs. And the other one ended up being something that they were kind of ahead of the curve on with Cordell Patterson. And they, they actually, they discovered he was a running back before anybody else did. And now he's a great running back in Atlanta, which is kind of ironic, uh, but in 18, right? It was 18 that they had yes. to use Patterson at running back. And after that, I just thought there was no way that they would, they would leave themselves high and dry at running back. None. And they're not totally high and dry because they have the guys on the practice squad. Uh, but I go back to the Pierre Strong trade, and I wonder, you know, is Ty Montgomery really the change of pace back, if you want to call it that, uh, that this team needs? Like, is he really capable of doing that? Is he going to be healthy? Uh, is he going to be ready to go? Uh, that Those are the, the big question marks. Uh, but how surprised were you about two running backs, and, like, where do you think they go from here at this point? I was surprised. I thought J.J. Taylor earned a roster spot. I yeah. understand them being hesitant giving Ty Montgomery one because of his injury history, and I think the practice squad's a perfect spot for him, but... They, yeah, it's it's well under what they usually do. I was I was pretty surprised by that. Yeah, uh, me as well. All right, let, let's go over to the defensive side of the ball, and then I'll, I'll we'll wrap with uh, with your kickers, your, your rookie kickers winning the jobs. I know <laughs> that that makes you happy. Uh, well, I guess really quickly. I'm, I'm sorry. I know I said we were going to go defense. Was there any question in your mind at the end that Pop Douglas and Kayshawn Booty were both going to make the team? No. After that, yeah. after the way I was a little on the fence about Kayshawn Booty going into the final preseason game, yeah. but once they they didn't give him a chance to earn his spot, which told me, yeah, he's got one. Right. Right. So you could have read that one of two ways. Obviously, you could have read it that they didn't want to put any more film out there and have him not sneak into the practice I, see, squad. I, 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 I was with you. I don't I, believe I in that. The whole, oh, they're trying to bury him, they're trying to hide him. You give players every chance they can to earn a roster. The spot. only thing that I thought that maybe they hid was Malik at quarterback. I yes. think they hid that a little if bit. You can hide things schematically. Yeah. But I don't think you're like, all right, we're going to bench him and sneak him on into the practice. Like, that doesn't right. I thought really make sense. The second that Kayshawn Booty took that slant 42 yards to the house at Lambeau, that's all she That's wrote. when I knew I it? wanted him on it the team. It was over. That's when I knew it, I wanted him on the team. On the team. I didn't know if that was going to be enough for them, but apparently it yeah, was. Yeah, and, and, like, well, and then he had the good week when they came back, when they were getting ready for yeah, Tennessee. Yeah, and they, he was good in the practices in Green Bay, too. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what I love about that that catch is— He's a gamer, dude. I'm t- yeah. I, I wonder if he kind of got the feeling that he was maybe on the fence and was just like, all right, let's show him what I can do. Let's open it yeah. up. I love when people are like all like, the safety took a terrible angle in Green Bay. Yeah, like it wasn't a good angle, but he also ran through the angle. Like right. you know, like he took the ball he, and he exploded after the catch. The safety took a bad angle because the margin for error was so minuscule yeah. because of the way Shot out he, of a freaking he, Yeah, that's what he does. Yeah. So, I, I you remember the comp for him before the draft like if he maxes 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 out? Oh no, what was your it was comp? D, not mine, Debo. Oh. oh man, that's a big comp. But like that kind of player? I don't know if he's I don't know if his breakaway speed is like quite as good as Debo's, but what he's good at is he's it's weird with him because his his straight line speed doesn't show in his route running. Like he doesn't yeah. run by people at, on like a go route or something like that. But he hits a different gear with the ball in his hand. It's more it's a just bizarre like, thing. You also for his size, you don't expect a guy to move that fast. And so yeah. You know, bigger receiver, you think you got to square up, tackle him, go yeah. low. The smaller, quicker receivers, you give yourself more room. You kind of can't with him. Yeah. Because if you square him up, he'll run over you. Yeah. And if you hesitate to get to the point to give him more room to cut, he 
exactly what you saw against Green Bay. Yeah, so it just he's weird because like when you watch him on film, you're like, oh, he just has no juice. Like he's not running by anybody and he's not really threatening on a vertical stem or like there's just no juice to his route running. It's not dynamic. Like Pop Douglas runs dynamic routes. Like that guy right. is explodes off the line, gets into the break, like all that. With with Kayshawn Booty, it's like he just He's like a different guy with the football in his hands. I, yeah. It, it's very weird. It, it, it's a little Kendrick Bourne-ish. Like, I, I, I think that there's a little bit of an overlap there in terms of skill set, but it's it's a, it's a kind of a, a cool uh, study. Uh, let's go over to defense. Um, was happy for Sam Roberts. I thought I thought he played his butt off the entire preseason and made the team. Like, he – we talk – you know, you talk a lot about Alex, like the at-large roster spots. Yeah. He was competing for an at-large roster spot, and he took the dang thing. Like, he, he made the team. Like, it wasn't like, oh, we need, like, six defensive linemen, and to meet the threshold, we're going to keep Sam Roberts. Uh, he forced his way on. He was the too good. He was yeah. too good. Love seeing guys like that, and, you know, he's going to be here too. He might play too. He might play a little yeah. bit. I'm not exactly sure where, but – the yeah. fact he can play pretty much any spot on the defensive line, like last year, I, did he he dressed only one or two games? He played right? like very sparingly, yeah. But he did he did play a little. He, he might play a little more this year. Yeah, uh, edge rushers, uh, your favorite. Um, no. no Ronnie Perkins back on the practice squad. Didn't surprise me. Yeah, so the, that's that's one that you just like can't really take the. Uh, take the bait of of the final preseason game beating up on like six string tackles well right? it, it was more so my when i was doing my last roster projection my last spot was sam roberts or ronnie perkins that's what it yeah. came down to and like sam roberts was was good in green bay he was good in the green bay game ronnie perkins was hurt for most of that and then just came back and had a last good preseason game so it was one game versus two weeks and maybe if he wasn't hurt that down that stretch he makes a stronger case but yeah just off one game it's it's tough to give it to him were you surprised Mac Wilson made the team? Yes and no. I no, no, I wasn't. I was surprised. I, I was like, what's his role? Like an, an special special teams. Okay, Marte Mapu's backup. Um, do you really need like Marte Mapu as a rookie might already be a situational backup? Like, do you really need a backup to the backup? Uh, I think they're playing. They have bigger plans for Mapu than that. I hope so, but I'm not convinced of it. I also leadership. He's been here, that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I think he just made it on intangibles. All right, I, I just I, I I wouldn't have. It's one of those ones where like I wouldn't necessarily have put him on, but I understand based yeah. on the way they operate why yeah. he made the team. I feel like, and and maybe this is just my bias coming in. First of all, uh, his run defense film last year and his run defense film in the preseason is is. Not playable. He's only going to play on third downs. He can't play in the run game. He's only going to play on third downs. The second thing I would say is that I get – I do. I get a little bit frustrated when they keep guys like this where you have these younger players like Amapu uh, that are better than Mac Wilson. And sometimes I I fear that he'll play the veteran guy, right? Like I fear that Bill will play the veteran guy. Oh, that's all valid, but I'm just saying like that's the kind of guy they keep. For exactly what you just said, I I just that's why they, I, they want him as a fallback. It's nothing player. to do with Mac Wilson. I, so I, I if he's listening, I hope he doesn't take this personally. I almost like it when they cut those types of guys so that Bill doesn't have the option to play the veteran over the the young guy. That that's just where I stand with with Mac Wilson. Huh. Corners, uh, no big surprises at the top, right? Like Christian right, Gonzalez, yeah. John Jones, Marcus Jones, Jack Jones. Are we like out of the woods at this point with Jack Jones? Like he's gonna? Uh, no, no. Okay. He has his. I think the next hearing is in between week one and two. No, but I, like he, at this point, he's gonna be on the field week one. 
Yeah, I would okay. think so, unless the league steps in. Um, but I'm yeah. saying, like, they usually step in by now. Yeah, probably. That's what, Okay, yeah. But usually the league also lets, like, the legal stuff right. carry through before they really get involved. One quick thing on Miles Bryant. Take your, your little your little tweets out of my replies on miles Bryant is on the roster. All right. Like I understand that Patriots fans have frustrations with miles Bryant. I get it. We all have the same frustrations. You know how many people, Alex, you get the replies to like the initial, what is, why is miles Bryant on this team? Like why, why can't we move on from miles Bryant? Miles Bryant is not a man cover corner. He's not a man to man guy. He's too slow. And he's not capable of keeping up with starting caliber NFL receivers in man-to-man. We know that. But they have really, really big shoes to fill. And I'm writing about this for Monday, um, so you can check that out. They have really, really big shoes to fill with Devin McCourty. They're going to be a little bit more too high, I think. They're going to still play some zone. Like they, Those are the roles that Miles Bryant's going to be competing for. I think, I hope, I would assume that he's going to be out of – week one or week two against Miami, like, you know, Miles Bryant, you got Jalen Waddle. <laughs> like, I, I don't <laughs> think we're doing that anymore. But at the same time, I he's somebody that is really heady in zone coverage. Uh, he's a sound tackler. Uh, he's got good instincts. Uh, he's a good zone player. He's a zone player and a smart, savvy, veteran type of guy. I have no problem with Miles Bryant being on the team, and I, I think we need to stop picking so much on Miles Bryant. That That's my soapbox moment with Miles Bryant. Miles Bryant, it like Miles Bryant's not as bad as he's looked because they haven't used him correctly. Yeah, if he's gonna, not a corner. If like they, he, he's not. Yeah. If they're going to use Miles Bryant correctly, I actually think it makes a lot of sense to keep him for a lot of yeah. the reasons you just said. If they're going to have him try to man up on an island, the other team's fastest wide receiver. Yeah, it's not going to go well. Right, you, Isaiah McKenzie. Right, hello. exactly. So, yeah. I, I I don't mind them keeping him. I think he's a very smart football player. I think he's a very physical football player, especially for his size. And there's value in having that. He'll play on special teams. He's a good guy to have on the back end who can come forward and make a yeah. play. But you now have I the whole thing's built out of slot corners, pretty much. Yeah. John Jones, Marcus Jones, Sean Wade. Yep. There's no reason Miles Bryant should have to play slot corner reps this year. Yeah. As long as they keep him out of that role, I'm fine with him making the team because I do think that he does bring an element of toughness and uh football IQ to the secondary. Let's lay off Miles Bryant. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I just Let's just under just Miles understand what you're watching. Also you mentioned Sean Wade yeah. made the team. And uh, I am I allowed to be like – I don't want to use the word excited because I'm not – you know, he's probably going to be like a fifth defensive back. And, he heck, he might even be inactive, honestly, uh, for game day. But I'm like a little bit intrigued – is that the right word maybe uh, – by Sean Wade. And, and the main reason is we've talked about so many times with Sean Wade that his big season at Ohio State was playing slot cornerback. It was not playing on the boundary. Like two seasons. Yeah, his big – the reason why he was on the NFL's map was because of how good he played in the nickel role in Ohio State, the slot corner role. The Patriots have moved him back there this year. They played him there and a little bit at free safety, and I thought he had a really good summer. And I think between that, the fact that he's really a natural slot and not an outside corner, and the fact that he actually brings some size to the slot as well, because as much as they're going to play Miami twice a year and they're going to have to go up against Waddle and Hill and they're going to have to go up against speed slots every week, they're also going to potentially see some slots that are bigger, you know, like a a, a, a guy like a Garrett Wilson, for example. And I know you probably don't want to put Sean Wade on Garrett Wilson, but I'm just using him as an example. Right. Uh, they are going to play some bigger slots too. And 
they needed somebody with some size. He's six foot one, 200 pounds. Uh, he brings that element to it. I think he can play safety and he can play corner. I'm a little bit intrigued by Sean Wade. I thought he had a good summer, and I think that he's just at home playing out of the slot. So this is another one like Matt Corral. They yeah. loved signing these guys that were like elite high school talents yeah. that didn't pan out and seeing if they can tap into that. How impressive was Sean Wade in high school, Evan? He won the USA Day National Football Player of the Year for defense. He was yeah. named of all the defensive players in high school football nationally in 2016, the best. Other guys who have won that, Kayvon Thibodeau, first-round pick. Kool-Aid McKinstry, going to be a first-round pick. Uh, Solomon uh, Tuliapupu is an edge rusher for USC. I don't know if you're familiar with him. It's of the course. Trojans. Are you actually? Uh, no. I, I think Does he have a brother, Tuli? I think that is him. I think he goes by Tuli, yeah. Oh, yeah. He just got drafted. Oh, no, no, no. So it is his brother. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, because yeah. he's still there. He, it's going to be his last so year. So his there. older brother's in the NFL. His older brother's yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, Jabril Peppers won this. Jadavian Clowney won this. Yeah. Um, Bryce Young, Trevor Lawrence on offense, Kyler Murray, Leonard Fournette. Like, you talk about the guys that Sean Wade's in company with. He went to Ohio State, was a really good slot corner, really good slot yeah. corner for two years. People thought he was going to be a first-round pick. And then in that 2020 season, and remember, we loved him going into that draft. We were like, yeah. here's value. This is a guy that's a first-round pick, fell to the fifth round. Why? They played him on the boundary, and he just couldn't do it. And I think it messed him up because he's talked about his confidence yeah. level. It seems like he's gotten back in that groove. He's playing back in the slot where he's comfortable. He's confident. He's making plays there. There is a ton of natural talent when it comes to Sean Wade to tap into. I'm I, intrigued. I really think the last couple of years was all mental. Yeah. And if they have him back on the right track, you're talking about a guy who can be a top three corner. You're talking yeah. about a guy who has the p potential to be. We'll see if he gets there. Yeah. Potential to be a starting slot corner. So and I think we saw some of those flashes in camp. I, yeah. I, I mean, he had that pick on the goal line. It would have been a pick six in the game that showed some really, really heady instincts. He he sniffed the screen out, jumped the pass, and and ran it back the other way. I talked to him briefly in the in the locker room on Wednesday after they you know cut downs and officially made the team. And when I asked him about playing back at home in the slot yeah. i think is how i phrase like you could the the relief on yeah. his face was just like yeah like this is where i belong this, like, this is who is, i am and yeah. i again i think the theme of this show has kind of been taking flyers on players and yeah. those ball of clay players if there's a guy you're going to bring in and you're not really sure where you're going to use him but you want to give him a roster spot because of potential this is the kind of guy you do that with this is absolutely the kind of guy you do that with okay so speaking of so shout out and, and again just that he came back and made the team after two rough years, like super happy for. Yeah. Him. Uh, speaking of balls of clay and making the team, and yeah. I, I gotta admit, I didn't see Amir Speed making the team, and I, I guess I probably should have seen it a little bit more once Isaiah Bolden's injury happened, and that kind of opened the path for him. They Belichick, what like a week ago, two weeks ago, called him a developmental player. I think so. Here's the thing: I don't think they think he's a corner. I think they see him as a Matthew Slater type, as, as a, a pure special, special teamer. teamer. Well, and in so, that context, it makes yeah. a lot of sense. So if they, well, they they basically listed him, I think, on one of our graphics as a special they did. teamer. So I was yeah. going to bring that up. I wasn't yeah. sure. Yeah. They, the graphic you guys did, which looked really cool. Shout out to the graphics team. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Don't no, I liked it. I liked it. It was a cool graphic. Um, all the offensive players had red behind them. All the defensive players had blue yeah. behind them. It was like yeah. all the headshots. Yeah. And then the special teamers. So Nick Folk, uh, not Nick Folk, <laughs> Chad. I got. I'm just defaulting oh, wow. to that. Wow. Chad Ryland, Bryce Beringer, Joe Cardona, Matthew Slater had white behind them. So did Chris Board, which you kind of expect, and Amir Speed. Yeah. So I 
maybe that telegraphs. I know the graphics people aren't making the football decisions, but did they get like a list and he was listed as a specialist? I think I think they did. So, yeah, I don't think he's ready to play corner in the NFL. Maybe in a year or two he could get there. I thought Isaiah Bolden showed me much more in that regard, but spent a lot of time with Matthew Slater, spent a lot of time with Cam Accord. Bill yeah. Belichick, you know, was complimenting him and the way he plays in the kicking game. So did Matthew Slater. Yeah. In that context, it makes a lot of sense. We were kind of talking about, oh, they're keeping less so this is, you know, specialist Br- Brendan guys. Brendan Schooler, I think, is technically like a safety or a DB. I think Brendan Schooler, was he, he might have had White behind him in that but graphic. He's, I don't but remember. he's now, a, you know, we know he's a special teamer. Right. It's a Brendan Schooler. T- but Brendan Schooler, we knew from the beginning, was Shout a special teamer. Shout out to uh, Dylan and Karina for the great graphic. Is that who made it? Yes. Uh, Brendan Schooler, who had White behind him. Bryce Barringer, Chris Board, Joe Cardona, Chad Ryland. Yes, Brendan Schooler did, Matthew Slater, and Amir Speed. So, that's and that's the full group. So they're special teamers. Those are the special teamers. So I, if they're going to play a mere speed at corner, I'd be surprised. Yeah. Oh, I would be too. I mean, I think that's a long, a long yeah, way I, away. I, I think he goes in that special. Essentially, team six guys that can play yeah. corner that are actual corners. All right, we're going to clear the floor. Your your rookie specialist, your your Patriots punter and kicker for the 2023 yeah. season, Chad Ryland. Bryce Berenger, the young kid, the kids, the kids won the jobs. The kids are all right. Alex, how close was it really for either of them? Um, I, I think it got a little close with Berenger when he had that rough week in Green Bay, if yeah. that makes sense. Uh, this is what it always should have been. I know you don't want to hear it. The only question at kicker was whether they were going to keep both of them or not. And I honestly believe, Evan, that that was a consideration. I, I, I'm not going to push back on you on it anymore because it, I they didn't do it, so I we don't have to but, argue. About but it. but I do think it was something they thought about. I think I'll, I'll give you this. I think that it was something that they thought about, but I think the only reason why they seriously might have considered it was because of for leverage for a trade. Like I think that they might have looked at it like and made said, the trade later. I kind of wondered that as well. Like they might have looked at it and said. You don't want to give us what we want in the trade for Nick Folk? We'll just keep him, right? Like I, that sort of thing. And then eventually in season, like Tennessee comes calling and they're desperate and they and they make the trade happen. I I, I was a little bit – were you surprised that all they got was a 2025 seventh? I was a little a bit A little bit. I wonder – you talked a lot about the reason that they were letting Nick Folk rep as much as they did was yeah. a respect thing. Yeah. Right? I wonder if Bill Belichick went to Nick Folk and said, where do you want to go? Yeah. And that well, – I mean, so you lose Nick all Folk the leverage. Nick talked in Tennessee, I think, earlier today. Yeah. And he has said that the Patriots initially said that they were waiving him or cutting okay. him. He wasn't going to go on waivers, so cutting him. Uh, but I don't know if it was the Patriots that came to him then and said, but Tennessee is yeah. showing interest. And I think that they asked Nick Folk, hey, like – would you rather be a free agent or would you rather go to Tennessee? Like, what do you, you know, what yeah. do you, and he said that he, I think Frabel actually called him and recruited him to, to Tennessee and he, he said, let's make the trade. All right. So I, I, I wonder if there was an element of that yeah. in there. Uh, as for the, so little spoiler alert, I'll have uh, my, oh. my bold predictions up next oh. week. My bold predictions for the Patriots season yeah. up on 985thesportshub.com. One of them is going to be, Ed Ryland and Bryce Barringer both play 17 games. I hope so. Well, I'll tell you why that's a bold prediction, Evan. The I, I don't think it's bold, but the numbers tell us it's bold. Yeah. The last team to have two rookie kickers start week one Yeah. was the 2011... 2015. 2015. You've already heard me do this. Yes. Miami Dolphins. Yep. I stole it from you. Thanks. The last... Oh, did you use this? Oh, yeah, of course. The Well, I stole it from P- PFR. The last team... 
to have two rookie kickers play, uh, rookie kicker and punter play at least 10 games, both, yeah. was actually more recent. It was a 2018 than Oakland Raiders because Daniel Carlson, people forget, started the season in Minnesota. Yeah. The last team to have two a rookie kicker and rookie punter both play a full season, it actually, it's never, surprise, it's never happened in the 17-game season. You have to go back to 2011. Alex Henry and Chris Henry, not related, they're spelt differently, for the Philadelphia Eagles. So, this is pretty unprecedented. This, you don't see this. So in that sense, well, I mean, I do think it's the a little first bit team bold. to draft a punter and kicker in the same draft in like a hundred years or something like no, that. No, because the Raiders did that like three times under Al Davis. No, they were the first t- team in a while to do that, though. I think it's been done more recently than 2011, though. Oh, they drafted a punter and a kicker in the same draft. Yeah, I know that stat was like going around. Was when it? They did it. I don't Either know. way, it, it it hasn't happened since 2016. That right. the two guys have played a full season. So, so I'll be interested so to see because that because it's our job to be. Uh, you know, to poke holes and everything, right? That that's that's just the gig. Yeah. What is your biggest fear? Oh, sorry, no, it's not 2011. It's 2012. Oh, it's 2012. 2012. And it's actually so. This is a good omen. It was the 2012 St. Louis Rams, Greg Zerline and Johnny Hecker. Which, if these guys turn pretty, into Greg Zerline pretty, and Johnny Hecker, pretty good. It's a pretty good draft. Don't get Bill Belichick I, I'm started. Pretty on Johnny sure Hecker. Both of those guys were drafted. Okay. Oh no, Johnny Hacker was undrafted. So Bill didn't take him. Somewhere. What is your biggest concern? Not not about the roster decision. Yeah. Just your biggest concern about Chad Ryland and Bryce Beringer individually, their performance this season. Uh, like looking ahead, or my biggest concern from what I saw in the summer. Well, yes. So <laughs> I, it kind of almost goes to what you talked about with Mac Wilson. Yeah. There's going to be growing rewards with yeah. with Chad Ryland. There are, and I think he's an NFL caliber kicker. But yeah. There's going to be growing pains, and yeah. I hope that they don't panic. They, like part of having a rookie kicker is that you're just that's what you're signing up for. Yeah, and I hope that they know that's what they've signed up for. So I, when that comes, one, how's he going to handle it, and yep. how's the team going to handle it? Uh, my biggest concern with Beringer, oh, I thought he was pretty good. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, he, he he's it's not even a weather thing because he's been in it, Michigan State. I think Beringer is like a classic. He's a classic long ball hitter, though. Like, he's going to have some shanks. We saw some shanks in, in, so, in the preseason. I, but I would also say this. I I, I was going to say my biggest concern, every punter's going to have shanks. My biggest concern is touchbacks. Yeah. I think they're going to be more aggressive going for it on fourth down over the 50. That's a Bill O'Brien specialty. No? I've been, ho- I've been hoping and dreaming of that since 2018. Well, Hasn't happened. They did a little bit with Nick Falk early on. Yeah, twenty twenty one. They were kind of aggressive. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> I yeah. I, there's going to be never shanks. Been aggressive fourth. There's going to be shanks with Beringer, but I, I I don't think it's going. I don't think he's going to shank the ball more than the average punter. I, I actually agree with you that um, you know the shank stuff. You're probably right. It will be pretty look much. He's not going to perfectly hit every punt. He's going to kick this yeah, season. Yeah, touchbacks. I would say is is a big one, and like in and in the same vein as t- like out kicking your coverage is a thing. Like I did it yeah. like in life, but like it's a thing to do it like in general, Aww. right? Ah, that was good. That was good. Can we Aww. clip that? Can we clip that? <laughs> Send that home. Uh, it's good to. Uh, it's good to. You can really outkick your coverage. Like that's yeah. a thing that can happen. And I, I we saw it a little bit in Tennessee. Like you bomb one seventy yards, <laughs> and it's like you know Matthew Slater's got a long way to go well, to cover that. Look, punt. You, they kept one of their fastest players in. A mere speed. Oh, Maybe so those two things are related. The need for speed is so. Speed. I would say, 
The, so the thing is, he kicks it far, but he doesn't kick line drives. No, he gets it, he gets it up there. He does. He, he really does. And yeah. this goes back to my thing, Evan. What's the proper application of the forty yard dash? Do you, do you know this at this <laughs> yes, point? Yes, you've told me this a million. So times. the reason they were on the forty yard dash when they started the combine, it was very simply the average punt at the time was forty yards, and it was can you get down the field in time? Teams would compare the forty yard dash to their punter's average hang time, and it was yeah. can you get down the field in time to cover a punt? Amir speeds forty. 4.34 seconds. You throw a half a second on, they're getting jammed at the line, right? Pretty dang fast. But that's a guy that's going to get to – how many hang times did Bryce Behringer have this summer, even on those boomers the that – So you think Gunner, week one, Slater, Amir Speed? I'm trying to think who else they'd put out there. Seems like – Because Schooler played Gunner a little bit last year, but he's more of an middle, interior guy. Middle of the game, yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. you, you need fast Gunners if you're going to yeah. have a punter like this, but – Amir speed is very fast. All right. There you go. That's 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 what you get on Honestly, this show. You know what? I'll you give you another the, one. We connect the dots of how Amir Speed is on this roster. Pretty surprising that he made it, and he's on the roster because he's got to cover punts. I'll give you boomer, one more too. You want to go to another level on this? Yeah. If they're gonna elevate him at all this year, Malik Cunningham would be one of their faster gunners, and we saw him practice there. You think Malik Cunningham can play gunner in an NFL game? No, but they were giving him off they were trying him out there, so all right. Well, that does it for this show. Uh, we're going to be back next week, uh, hopefully back at 2 o'clock if uh, schedule permits for the Patriots, but it should because it, it'll be a regular Thursday and it'll be a longer break in between practice and uh, open locker room. Next week, Alex, uh, Philadelphia, the Eagles. Yeah, uh, I'll yeah we're, 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 we're back in uh, We're back in regular time. season mode. Uh, we will we'll, we'll maybe talk a little Brady, but I want to mostly focus on the game. And I'm going to tell you next week, and I've already brainstormed this with Alex off the air, but this is a pro tease right here. I'm going to tell you next week why I think the Patriots offense, the offense can actually score some points against this Eagles Whoa. defense. I, I, Evan's drinking I, the Kool-Aid. I'm going to tell you that next week. Pete but, coming but off of training camp back. take. You're going to have to come back next week and hear why I'm outside my mind thinking that the Patriots are going to hang 30 on the Eagles in 10 days. But until then, signing off for Matt Behind the Glass, Alex, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week. And uh, thanks for watching on YouTube. Keep that up. Thanks. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.